0: Welcome to Mystical Dispute, the limited magic gathering debate podcast. I'm Garrett Gardner, a.k.a. g Guards, And I'm Carl Chase, a.k.a. Two Duck Cubed. Check out our monthly bonus mini-episodes on Patreon.com slash Mystical Dispute. Even though I'm a little behind, don't worry, I'm going to fix that soon. And thank you to our patrons. And today, we are going to debate Hazardous Blast. In Phyrexia, all will be one.
1: Garrett, it's been a little while since we argued in a way that truly made us angry at each other (laughs) and resenting each other's company. Let's change that today, because we have some strong opinions on this card.
0: (laughs) Well, Carl, let's discuss the end of our friendship in... (laughs) In this corner... Opening takes um <laughs> sorry carl this is it we're just gonna be business partners now
1: yep that's <laughs> what we're gonna be relegated to just getting on discord and saying hello and then you'll say hi ready to go yep and then you'll say welcome to mystical dispute and we'll start laughing and having fun but it's all gonna be fake it's not gonna be real this is over after this
0: well we faked it this far carl i think we could do it a little further all
1: right oh <laughs> f***ing carrot
0: <laughs> Anyway, Hazardous Blast is three and a red for a sorcery that says deal one damage to each creature your opponents control and creatures your opponents control cannot block this turn. And Carl, To sum it up succinctly with one point, I'm not a huge fan of this card. This
1: could not be less of a Garrett card if it tried.
0: No, it could.
1: Not to rehash what we talk about every single episode, but you want to get on the board and play creatures and remove creatures and that's basically it. And this, while it certainly can remove some one-toughness creatures, uh, is often not going to do that. And for me, I have been on record, especially on Twitter, in our DMs, pretty much to anybody who will listen, that this set is very, very unforgiving to not affecting the board in the early turns. You need to play either bodies or removal spells and be doing something that affects the board because if you don't, your opponents will and you will die a very short death, especially when you're on the draw in this format. And so Hazardous Blast and you look at that and say, wow, this card is quite a bit worse in the draw and it's not really affecting the board in the early turns either. So Mm -hmm. you say all that, but then you've got a card like Hazardous Blast that you actually like. And yes, I do. And I will defend it and explain it over the course of this episode. I'm just not here because it's gonna take a lot of words.
0: That's <laughs> the whole episode. All right, let's move on to Data Crunch. Carl, the data is overwhelmingly on my side for once, right? Can you tell me that? Can you just throw me this bone?
1: No, it is not. <laughs> it is the 10th best performing common in Premier Draft as of right now in terms of game-in-hand win rate. It is lower in traditional draft, coming into the 25th best common, but still doing reasonably well. And I think that's really interesting because a card like Hazardous Blast is a polarizing card. There are times when it's going to win you games that basically no other cards are going to win you. And there are also times when it is a stone blank. Yet, across the sum total
0: of those two situations and anything in between, it averages out to a solid card. And one last piece of data to point out is That its alsa or average last seen at in the draft is seven point five five. That is really low for the tenth best performing common in the set. Like you can look like the other ones are like five, three, four. This one's at 7.5. Like, it just doesn't seem like it belongs there with how low it's being taken. But that might be part of why it's shining, right? It's only being played when it's at its best because you're always going to have access to it with such a low average last seen at, right, Carl?
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly a part of this. It's also not a card that stacks well, right? Right. You're trying to play this and then just win on the turn that you play it in a lot of games. Or it's going to be a situational get rid of all the X ones. And then if you're using it for that purpose, the second one's also going to be bad. So because it just doesn't stack, it's not a card people want to take early because you rarely want more than one. Because can yeah, see a few circumstances where two could make sense, but it's very often going to be a one of in your deck, which gives it the low pick order
0: that you see. And if you look at the number of game and hands played, it's like a half or the third of most of the other commons. So it's certainly being played a lot less often. So... Again, I think people are figuring out when it's good, and that's bolstering it. But that doesn't mean it's not good, even though I don't think it's good. (laughs) That was eloquent. (laughs) I know. I'm a wordsmith, Carl. That's why we have a podcast. Let's get into this a little bit in... Debate It. I often talk about my approach to magic as being nuts and bolts spike, where I want to play cards that affect the board. I don't want a lot of all-in strategies, and I like to avoid cards that are good in some game states and bad in others. And I want to shout out specifically for this episode where that all came from, <laughs> because I started trying to play magic competitively around original Theros, and I listened to a companion podcast that really got me into it called Limited Resources. And at the time, Brian Wong was the co-host, and I remember there was a very popular episode where he introduced quadrant theory. You may have heard of it, but I think it's worth repeating every once in a while. There are four regular quadrants to a Magic game. Developing, like the beginning of the game, curving out. Parody, where both players are about even and there's not much going on. Ahead, where you're winning. And behind, where you're losing. And a power level of a card is gonna be different in each four of the quadrants. Now for a card like Hazardous Blast, it's fairly obvious that it's a total miss when you're behind. Unless it's a very specific board state, you're not gonna be able to just cast this card and overrun your opponent with like all of your creatures. You're playing defense, you're probably making unprofitable trades. It's literally going to be worse than a land as a draw. Now that is not a death sentence for a card necessarily, But then I think about the other quadrants. When you're ahead, obviously it can win you the game, but if you're ahead, you may not even need it. And then in developing, obviously, unless you curved out like a god, (laughs) this card is probably not gonna be that relevant. And finally, where I think this card really shines is parody, where you're both staring at each other, but you can't push that last bit of damage to win the game. Somebody plays this card and they can do 12 damage or something like that out of nowhere and win the game. And I have found a lot of my success in magic is just avoiding cards that are exceedingly good in one or maybe one and a half quadrants and terrible in the others. This is just like a core to my learning and I really thank Brian Wong for bringing me here, but I feel like it's a dying art a little bit, Carl. I feel like the world is against me for having this opinion of just this nuts and bolts approach to magic. And so let me hand it back over to you so you can tell me all the reasons that you do like to play Hazardous Blast.
1: So I've got two key points to my rebuttal here. The first one is the more simple one, which is there's a lot of relevant one-tough creatures in the format. So it's rare that it's just completely dead. Sure. It certainly can be, but we'll go over, we'll talk about a lot of the good common cards that either create X1s or RX1s. But the second point is that a lot of what you're doing in this format is just putting power and toughness on the board. For example, take a format like DMU. I played a very, very low creature. creature count on average in that format was much, much higher on spells and did extremely well in dmu here i find myself playing a lot of creatures because again you just don't want to get behind you don't have time to mess around if you slip up then you get overrun in that situation you can be behind but still have a pretty sizable board presence and a card like hazardous blast can allow you to make a game plan to win a game even when you're behind so I totally understand your theory like i'm not saying this card is generally great in situations when you're behind it's, sure. it's not what i'm saying but it's a card you can build an entire game's strategy around and a lot of times it'll be when you have it in your hand already but sometimes you can also say i'm going to lose this game unless i find my hazardous blast and play to that out as well hazardous blast can be one of the only cards that can bring you back from dealing with some of the format's best bombs Potentially an Eternal Wanderer game state where they are making 2-2 two, two, for Strikers every turn. Maybe your opponent's got Luca and they're making 3-3s three every turn. Or your opponent has done some oil things and is making a 3-3 three, three with Incubation Sack every turn. Whatever. Or just your opponent has added a lot more power and toughness to the board than you do. Fast forward to a situation where you've drawn Hazardous Blast, but you don't have enough power on board yet to deal the opponent lethal. You're behind. Your opponent's got more creatures on board. They've got a better board presence. But maybe you still have some sort of attack. Let's say there's an attack that you can construct that encourages, for example, your opponent to swing back at you with a few creatures, which then gives you another opportunity to get in for a few points of chip damage on the next turn and maybe chump with a couple of 1-1s and barely survive till you get exacties on the turn after that. The point is, you can craft a strategy to try to win for a very specific amount of damage on a specific turn, even if you're way behind Even if your opponent could get you to negative 18 next turn, it doesn't matter because, again, the whole point is just Hazardous Blast eliminates the blocking phase from the game.
0: Carl, I think that's a really good point. In the hands of a very skilled player, you will be able to craft a win, like, several turns out in advance with a card like this. Even from behind, or maybe even especially from behind, a great player can figure out how to use this card effectively. The problem that I have with this is that I think it's fairly rare... Just because this format, once you take a bunch of hits to the face, like it's going to be over soon. You're not going to have that time to craft your master plan, run your opponent over with some attack because they're going to make you negative 30 or give you 15 poison counters just by virtue of the overrunning nature of this curve out format. But I am arguing against the data here, right? I mean, 10th best comments it's obviously doing fairly well. And I think a lot of excellent players are to blame for that, but also in general, like because of the average nature of 17 lands, it must be doing pretty decent work for everyone across the board. My theory on that though, is that there are a lot of X ones in this format. And that I think does give it quite a bit of a boost. It does kill a lot of three ones. It kills a lot, all the might tokens that you can make. There are, a bunch of playable X ones in this format and this card can kind of wreck decks that play all of them. And I think that is a pretty good reason to play the card, but where I draw the line is I don't want to main deck it. I actually love having one of these in my sideboard. I know I'm a degenerate best of three player, but it's really great to side in and I've done it once or twice so far. But in general, I've played a lot of red and I just don't wanna main deck this card because it's just not how the games that I've been playing have played out, essentially. I don't find myself in a lot of board stall parody board states where this is just gonna be that explosive. Like, it always feels like one player is significantly ahead of the other. And honestly, that player is probably gonna win, <laughs> but crafting the board state to get that winning board advantage is what I want to do and so Hazardous Blast often feels like a win more to me in those scenarios with the decks that I have drafted so far.
1: Garrett there have been a couple of times when we'll watch each other play in some form or fashion whether one of us is streaming or maybe we'll send a 17 lands game history to each other and it's pretty clear that we have fundamentally different play styles. We should start a
0: podcast where we argue about magic cards or something.
1: We should. I I tend to be a very temple-oriented player that looks to press advantages, probably sometimes to my own detriment. You a lot of times will give me crap for, I'll say something like, I crafted a game state where the only way they could beat me was if they top decked hump spell or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: then they do when I get pissed off. And then you say, well, why did you leave yourself dead to that? And then I say something like, well, I think probabilistically it's better than taking Mm -hmm, the chances mm -hmm. of not doing that. And then we argue about that for forever, whatever. (laughs) Um, Despite the fact that you like curve out decks, I think you tend to be a more value oriented player.
0: I would describe myself as a player that's interested in winning games of attrition most of the time.
1: Yes, that's a better way to say it for sure. So I do think that hazardous blast speaks to a player like me more absolutely i love to find situations like maybe can i use the hazardous blast for not lethal on this turn but it puts them in a spot where they can't really swing back because they'll die next turn so i get blocking by default Mm -hmm. because they just can't attack and i don't know i love that kind of stuff to my own detriment because i think sometimes i get way too cute with that stuff and i just miss a more obvious play my guess is because this again very much does not speak to your sensibilities there are probably spots where you should be playing hazardous blast main that you aren't in particular in my opinion this card scales linearly with the amount of ground power that you have in your deck just like plain and simple the more creatures the more bodies the more power you have in the, your deck the better this card is going to be if you have a ton of removal and tricks it's not going to be as good because you're gonna have a smaller board state if you have basically only creatures and both you and your opponent are just building building up, building up your board state, then obviously this card can win you games that literally no other card, including rares can do.
0: Actually, Carl, I think you're making a very good point here. If you have a ton of creatures, like 18 or something like that, Hazardous Blast is going to end up being quite a bit better because you're just gumming up the ground until you can just smash face. But here's something that you could do. Uh, You could not do that (laughs) because, you know, I, I say that jokingly, but also, I am a huge fan of the tricks in this format, especially in green red, but red itself has one of my favorite tricks, which is free from flesh, which is red plus two plus two and add two oil counters. Oil and red go together extraordinarily well, and so I love to play free from flesh. And to bring it back to Hazardous Blast a little bit, I just don't find room in my decks for it because I'm playing good tricks or I'm playing removal. And in addition to needing to replace one of those two types of cards, it also doesn't work great with those types of cards. Like, you can't generally play Hazardous Blast for four mana and still have enough mana to add power to your creatures with some kind of combat trick. You have to tap out a lot of the time when you're going to cast this card in the types of decks that you're you're using it in. And so a lot of the time I will have a Hazardous Blast in my sideboard and I'll think of something that I would wanna replace, but like honestly, I don't wanna replace any of the creatures, and I don't wanna replace any of these tricks or even the sort of side case removal spells because I think the deck just works better without it. And the last card that I think does not work great with Hazardous Blast, which is also one of my favorites in the format to the degree that I think it may have been a mistake, is Furnish Strider, which is five for a four or five with two oil counters. And you can remove an oil counter to give any creature haste, including itself. So it smashes like a truck out of nowhere, and I guess ideally you could play the Furnace Strider first, but then you can play Hazardous Blast and you know get them for lethal or something like that. But I think the better way to play it is to play a Furnace Strider, get way ahead, force them into defense mode, and then play another creature and give that creature haste. And a lot of the time that's going to do it for you. And so to sum up my whole overarching point here is I do see the strength in Hazardous Blast, but I don't personally very often feel like I have room for it because The red commons are all really good, and I want to keep those over this card. The Furnace Strider blocks pretty well, too, as a 4-5, though. And I find that
1: a lot of times I'm not smashing with Furnace Strider in the turn that it comes into play. Certainly that's ideal, but I think if you are smashing with Furnace Strider, you're not in that coming-from-behind state that you were just talking about where Hazardous Blast is not going to be great to begin with. When you are behind and you cast Furnace Strider and you're holding it back to block, a lot of times it'll buy you some time, and then you can, like add another creature and then maybe on turn seven or something you play a three drop give the three drop haste and play hazardous blast in the same turn and even if their board is still better than yours it doesn't matter because the game is over the last main point on this is just 20 life is really not that much life when you keep playing (laughs) creatures every turn like you can have a small board presence with 12 power on it in this format And sometimes it just happens like that. Sure, you're going to end up playing small games where you trade a bunch early on and you cast some removal and there's only one creature on board. But that's not every game. And even though it's temple oriented, I think board states can still build.
0: But to quickly rebut that, Carl, even if you have 18 creatures in your deck or whatever, you still only get to draw your opening seven and then, I don't know, five or six more draws for a game. Hazardous blast is going to be one entire draw. It take it replaces an entire spell. Like so it's harder to get that wire state if one of these draws that you've spent a spell on only works if you've already gone wide. And so I think this is actually essentially my core point against cards like this a lot of the time is that I'm playing for like the possible mulligan or I'm playing for getting a little bit flooded or a little bit mana screwed and I don't want like a 4 mana You win if you are already pretty established in my deck, gumming up those draws.
1: Though, if the game is only going six turns, then you probably haven't cast all of your spells in the game. And so, I mean, yes... If you don't draw your 2-drop and instead draw this 4-drop, that doesn't affect the board. Certainly, that's bad. But the inherent pure card disadvantage, again, for the long game, I think is less relevant. It's more just about making sure that you have the opportunity for a smooth curve. Can we briefly, though, talk about the X ones? Because not only are there a bunch of one-toughness creatures in this format, there's a lot of really Good ones too. Oh, yeah. I'll start from the top and name all of the top commons that make an X1 in some form or fashion. Number one, Chimney Rabble. Number three, Crawling Chorus. Number five, Basilica Shepherd. Number six, Barb Batterfist. And number nine, Indoctrination Attendant. So, five of the top nine commons make an X1. <laughs> <laughs> So there are plenty of opportunities to take out many creatures, and there are certain kinds of decks that can pack a ton of X-1s too. A blue-white artifact deck with Mandible Justicar, the 2-1 lifelink artifact, and to a lesser extent, Malkator's Watcher can very easily all be in the same deck, as well as might tokens. All right, Carl, we get it. There's a lot of good X-1s. But I think it even goes (laughs) for... Further than the volume of X1s. We've talked a lot of times about how we love when you've got a certain type of card that's good in a format, but then the format also provides checks to that card. Mm-hmm. And in a typical format, I would say, hey, there's a lot of good X1s, but then we have this hazardous blast card that's really good against X1s, which is a natural check and balance sort of a situation, which typically I think is great. I don't think it's great in this format because you pretty much don't have a choice but to play out your creatures. If you take turns off, again, you die.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: so you just really often can't afford to play around Hazardous Blast or Cinder Lash Ravager, which also deals one to all of your creatures. And you also can't
0: avoid the X-1s and deck building a lot of the times because there's just too many good ones. Well, let me interrupt you there, Carl, because I actually think I disagree with this last point. Having a lot of X-1s, is dangerous in this format. And after you pick up a couple, subsequent ones in the draft are just gonna become less good. I don't like to play a lot of barbed batter fists for this exact reason, because there's a lot of ways that I can get two for one, even though two drops are really important and you need to have it in this format. All I'm saying, Carl, is that the more X ones you put into your deck, the more risk you're taking on. So yeah, I know that you need to take really good cards, but you should keep that in mind when you're drafting, right? Wow,
1: Garrett, that sounds like a nice, magical Christmas land you're living in where you can avoid five of the top (laughs) nine comments.
0: Fair point, Carl. I'm not going to argue that it's not hard to avoid them. But I guess I am saying that most formats have a hoser that can really wreck you out of nowhere. And given how situational hazardous blast tends to be, I'm just throwing it this bone. The Ravager, on the other hand, uh, that one is a little bit rough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Gary, I don't know. My experience so far in Phyrexia All-Is-One certainly hasn't been great. I'm down four or five win points from my average and it just feels like especially when on the draw i am constantly under pressure holding on for dear life it doesn't seem like my opponents ever miss spending a single mana in the first four turns ever i'm sure some of that is in my head because i'm trying to rationalize after having lost more than i normally am losing but i also find that a lot of the good cards make x ones and so feel like i'm priced in to drafting x ones i feel like i'm priced into casting them when i have them and So it just seems like sometimes it comes down to they cast Hazardous Blast and you get punished and other times they don't have it and you don't get punished. And then other times it's a total blank in their hand and you never see it.
0: Yeah, Carl, I'm not going to deny that it's great against X1s and there's a lot of X1s in this format. I do think that that's a big part of the success of this card. But I do want to circle back on your play draw scenario because obviously a card like Hazardous Blast is going to be significantly better on the play. Mm -hmm. And you just tweeted out your win rate on the play was like 69% and your win rate on the draw has been 50% or something like that over a pretty significant sample size. So number one, I'm calling you out for whining and keeping track of that. But number two, does that not speak to the way that you're approaching this format by putting something like Blast in your deck that could be much better when you end up on the play, but pretty bad when you're on the draw? I mean, yes, it's a better card in the play. There's no
1: question about it. i yeah. playing it on defense on turn four is not where you want to be at. Maybe you're going to be able to pick off two creatures with it, and it's okay defensively, but it's unlikely to get their best creature on that spot, and they're still going to be beating you down. I will say... Despite arguing heavily for Hazardous Blast, I probably end up keeping it in my sideboard just as often as putting it in my main deck. Honestly, looking at those play draw stats has made me think about this dynamic even more so of like, okay, is this a deck that A, has enough power to make Hazardous Blast good, and B, can I afford to draw this card ever on the draw... (laughs) <laughs> or do I not have enough early game to be able to handle that? So I'm definitely thinking about that more. But I also think it's somewhat unavoidable. You can't just afford being good on the play because you've got to win your games in the play because the draw is coming. And that sounds a little bit crazy, but I don't think you can totally give up some of the cards that are better on the play given just how good they are on the play. And there are a lot of cards in this format. A lot of cards in this format that are better on the play than on the draw.
0: Well, Carl, have you ever considered playing best of three where you always get to be on the play at least once?
1: Give us ranked best of three, Wizards, please! <laughs>
0: (laughs) Magic player to a magic player. Please. All right, let's wrap this thing up. In closing
1: arguments.
0: I feel like we did a lot of talking about one card, but in general, I think it's reflective of how this format plays out. When it comes to hazardous Blast, though, I am not denying its power. Obviously when it kills like four X ones, that's incredible. And that happens quite often this format and it's an aggressive format. It's gonna be better there, but I tend to keep it in my sideboard. I'm sure I will main deck it at some point when I'm looking for playables, but as it is now, I generally have better things that I think that I should be playing in my decks. I'm gonna stick to my core philosophy and probably not play this card that much, but I do think there are some very convincing considerations for putting this in your main deck.
1: Garrett, this is one of those cards that I do prefer was not in the format, but it is. And I think the top end of the power level is very high. And so I don't think it's a card you could ignore. I think it's a card you have to think about very specifically in deck building. I also think it's a card that you need to think very creatively about when you draw it of, yes, obviously there's going to be the, I have more power than they have life, play it and win. But when you don't have that situation Are there ways to eke out a little bit more advantage out of it based on the turn that you're casting it? Can you do it for partial? Can you set up a board state and encourage a back and forth dynamic of attackers that gets you to a spot where you've got more power than they have life? It's almost a sub game at that point. It's like almost like a a saga or a condition. If you ever have more power than they have life, then you win the game. (laughs) And honestly, maybe that's the best way to think about the card when you're playing with it. But given that my win rate on the draw is 19 points worse than my win rate of the play. And given that you have literally never main decked this card, you should probably play it more and I should potentially maybe play it less. Here at Mystical Dispute, we're all
0: about compromising. Kind of, maybe. (laughs) I'll get back to you on if I do that. Anyway, that about wraps it up. So thanks for listening to Mystical Dispute. You can support the show on Patreon. I'm Garrett Gardner. You can find me at twitch.tv slash gguards. And
1: I'm Carl Chase. You can find me at tutacubed on Twitter.
0: Shout out to 17lands for the data. You can support them on Patreon as well. And please do. Until next time, stay chill and watch out for those X-1s. Adios. Welcome to Mystical Dispute... <laughs> I guess I can't. I was like, "Oh yeah, let's go!" And then I, I'm like, "Blah blah blah." blah. <laughs>